millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Every team has their own wrestlers. But this is for wrestlers everywhere. Wrestle hard. All right, welcome back. This is Mindset Mike with the next episode of the Mindset Monday podcast, brought to you by Wrestling Mindset, the only wrestling specific mindset training program anywhere in the world. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and make sure you mention Mindset Mike when you sign up for your free trial at WrestlingMindset.com. So continuing with our theme of NCAA underdogs, we've got another pair of great ones here today. Uh, last week, we had unseated NCAA bronze medalist Kyle Cannell and Tariq Wilson. This week, we've got your NCAA champ at 197 pounds, Michael Machiavello of NC State, and your finalist at 149 pounds, Lonnie Perry. Um, so guys, has reality hit yet? You know, have, have things changed for you guys differently than maybe they were, you know, the weeks leading up to the NCAA tournament? Tell me a little bit about that. Mike, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, it definitely has. It's been a interesting two and a half weeks. I got recognized by the mayor from my hometown as an outstanding citizen and got invited to be part of the 4th of July parade and be mayor of the day. I also met a uh, U.S. <laughs> congressman. Yeah. So that was kind of crazy. I was not expecting that. I also got to meet a U.S. congressman who gave a one-minute speech about my achievement on the floor of the U.S. House and then in Washington. And I also got to meet him in person later on. And he gave me a flag um, with a certificate stating that the flag was flown over the U.S. Capitol per his request. And so that was, it's been a it's been a lot of just cool stuff like that. People recognizing me on campus, which has been really cool. And so, um, yes, yeah, just just really thankful. And it's uh, it's definitely been different. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Uh, and and, and yeah. also extra happy to hear that 
that that happens in wrestling. You know, people people make the playoffs for their school in football, and the whole town shuts down. People win an NCAA title in some places and doesn't even make local news. So happy to hear that, uh, you know, you're being real embraced by your hometown and your home state. So, Ronnie, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be the mayor for the day, <laughs> but, uh, you know. <laughs> Nah, the, the support's been pretty wild, um, for sure, and and throughout the whole tournament too. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a, a wild two weeks or so, um, being back here, hearing from everybody. You know, social media has been going kind of crazy too. So, um, the, the support's been unreal. Yeah, lately. I'm sure I'm sure your DMs have never been uh have never been so stacked. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> They've been blowing I up. Bet, a little bit. I bet. Um, so, you know, one of the exciting parts of why I've got both you guys here on today at the same time is there's this great misconception that we need an electric high school career. We have to win state tournaments. We have to win these major competitions. We have to do certain things. We even have to, you know, have, you know, an electric college career to be able to be an NCAA finalist, let alone a champion. You know, you got to be an all American first. You got to have done this first. And, um, you know, that was not the case for you guys. You know, I think. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, Mike, from my understanding, you started wrestling in ninth grade. You won a state title once in North Carolina, you know, not necessarily what you would consider would typically happen for an NCAA champion. Uh, you know, Ronnie, uh, my understanding is for you, you know, you, uh, you placed higher at the NCAAs than you ever placed at your own state tournament. Um, neither of you all American before, but somehow the 15 seed and the kid from North Carolina make it to the NCAA finals, one coming home with the championship. So, you know, talk about, talk about like what that means to you and talk about what changed over your careers. How were you able to trust the process and go from, you know, on paper, you know, again, that's why I, I love reminding people how much on paper means nothing. Um, on paper, you guys weren't supposed to achieve what you achieved coming out of high school the year before this past year and I mean, heck, even both of your seedings at the tournament. So how did you trust the process? What changed throughout your college careers for you to get there to where you are today? So Mike, we'll start with you. Um, you know, I think just kind of learning to trust the process, like you said, was probably the biggest thing and just staying persistent. One thing that I really like about, you know, our stories is just like, it kind of just shows that if you believe in you, you enjoy the journey, you enjoy the process and, and you don't necessarily focus on the end outcome, at least for me, like you just work hard, you know, put your nose in the ground, look down and just march forward as hard as you can for as long as you can. And next thing you know, you look up, you're exactly where you want to be. And uh, I guess that's kind of like how my career has been. You know, I had one goal and one mission since I went to college. One of my old roommates was talking to me about a time that, we came on as freshmen and he said, you know, I remember this conversation. He's like that. We had our freshman year. We had come over the summer and we hadn't even like practice yet. And you just, he said, I just asked him, I was like, yo, so what are your goals? He said, I want to be multiple time all American. And I don't remember this conversation, but this is what he told me. He was just like, yeah. And you just said, really? Like, that's it. I want to, I want an NCAA title. How come you don't want to like win it all or something like that. And he said, he kind of just laughed. He's like, dang, I thought my goals were high enough, but. You know, I like I said, I don't remember that conversation, but I, I do remember believing that I was, you know, eventually going to get there. And to say that people always believed in me along the way isn't necessarily true. The people closest to me did, but 
you know, I think one thing that helped me get there was just never settling and never wavering. You know, I think there's definitely points in my career where I could have changed my goal because it might have seemed unrealistic. But I think people have to realize, like, having unrealistic goals are not a bad thing. And I think if if a goal doesn't scare you, then it's not big enough. You know, if a dream doesn't scare you, it's definitely not big enough. And I think uh, people got to dream big and believe in, believe in themselves and work hard and understand that even if you don't get it, it's about, you know, the journey towards getting there. And then at the end of the day, you can just kind of, you know, appreciate, you know, what you got to do looking back, you know? No, absolutely. I think that was well said, you know, talking about at a bare minimum, shooting for the moon, hoping for the stars. But, you know, I like, you see these sort of quotes on Instagram all the time, but you guys are living proof. You know, if, if your goals aren't big enough, you know, if, uh, if uh, your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough. If people don't laugh at your goals, they're not big enough. And these are all true. You know, coming out, like, coming out of North Carolina as a one-time state champion that started wrestling in ninth grade, I think if you ask people, especially like 10 years ago, they're like, oh, you didn't come from, you know, one of these big wrestling states. You didn't win multiple state titles. Like, why don't you just – why don't you just hope and dream to be an All-American one day? And from the get-go, that was never on your radar. So that just shows not just about you, but about anybody. You know, if you find the right place where you can flourish under the right coaches and yeah. in the right culture, great things could happen. And uh, I definitely, I, I definitely, you know, want to spend some time talking about what's going on there at NC State. Likewise with Lockhaven, <laughs> you guys both had great tournaments as a team, and not that anybody didn't expect. NC State to finish well, but you know, we, we can, again, talking about on paper, you guys lose to Oklahoma State in a dual meet, you outperform them by minimum eight spots at the NCAA tournament. So, stuff we'll talk about later, but great, great, uh, great answer by Mock. So, Ronnie, you know, what about you? Talk about how things have changed, how, you know, you never even won a state title, and you're, you uh, come from Pennsylvania, yeah? Yeah, yeah, PA, uh, AAA school, and, um, but no, it, it kind of it changed when I got to college for sure. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to um, have some great coaches in college right away um, that really started putting time into me as soon as I got there. So um, that I was I was fortunate enough to have uh, Coach Moore, uh, Coach Fittery was there for a little bit, um, Coach Carr, Coach Weichel, all these guys. They they put t- a lot of time into me right right from the start. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize how how much better you can you can get at wrestling like and how quick it can happen um because I came in my freshman year man and I was pretty raw when I got there I didn't I don't even think I got to take down the room for the first like two weeks in practice so um you know it was just getting on the mat a lot getting a lot of individuals with the coaches I think is one thing that helped me right away and then you know you you start getting better and you start getting a couple wins that maybe you, you didn't think that you were going to get right away. And then that gives you a little bit of confidence and you just kind of ride that wave, um, you know, all the way to, to your goals. So it was definitely, um, I, I was fortunate to have some guys to wrestle with too. Um, and, and I was fortunate to, to have those coaches there, uh, support me right away. And, um, you know, I think that made a big difference in, uh, my wrestling, uh, even just the first year even my freshman year. I so. think something something important to take away from that is, you know, a lot of guys, listen, don't go wrestle just to be a part of a certain program. You got to be able to want to wrestle for those coaches. And you guys coming up through the ranks, you high school wrestlers that are listening, make sure that you choose a school where you 
bond and vibe with coaches. Coaches can make or break your career because obviously these are two guys that came from, you know, uh, 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 good high school careers, but nothing that said when this guy leaves high school, he's going to be an NCAA finalist. And that has a lot to do with their work ethics and also to do with the coaches that they chose in their corner. So, you know, I think um, uh, speaking of, you know, coming into your college careers, you know, from uh, the high school careers that you did, you came into the NCAA tournaments necessarily looking to be seen as, you know, underdogs. Ronnie, you're the 15th seed, you know, mock, you're seated in the top five, but you know, it would be unreasonable to say that both of you were not looked at as underdogs in your performances. Um, maybe even been slightly underestimated. So many would say that coming in as an underdog, it's almost a little bit easier to perform because you have less pressure and can compete a little bit more freely. Now, underdog in the sense of how they viewed you. Obviously, I don't think you guys have that view of yourself, but if you could talk to me a little bit more about what it felt like to, uh, you know, come in, Ronnie as the 15 seed, you know, mock, coming in there, not expect with, with on paper and people talking right. about it. You weren't the guy that people were looking to win that weight class. So tell me what it was like coming in as underdogs. Um, again, Mark, we'll start with you. And then uh, what it felt like to overachieve that goal. So, you know, you talk about the underdog mentality from, you know, the perspective of the fans, coaches, and, and everybody who watches the NCAA tournament. And I think one thing that I tried to do, even though I was the four seed, was just eliminate numbers. I think numbers numbers don't dictate performance. I think numbers don't dictate results, whether it's like your ranking, whether it's your seed number, whether it's your your past history, I, I try to view every single match as an experience of its own. So I treat every single match the same. Whether I won my last match, I think about it in a way that says, okay, I won my last match. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to win my next one. I lost my next match. That doesn't necessarily mean I lost. That doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to lose the next one. I got to treat every single match as an experience of its own, treat it individually, and then that I make sure I prepare properly and put myself in the right mental space for every single every single match. And so, you know, I, I thought about, you know, how I was a four seed and how people didn't expect me to make it to the finals or people didn't expect me to win. I think there might have been a few people who projected me to make the finals, said that was like a possibility. But like I said, I just kind of try and eliminate the noise. I think if you can just stay present and focused on your process and what you have to do, that, that takes off a lot of pressure. And so, like, also going into the tournament, you know, that quote I sent you, you know, um, too many times I feel like people try and look for confidence in what other people say or what a form might say or projections and stuff like that. And I think if, you know, whether it's good or bad, someone can say something good about you and it can kind of like help your confidence. Someone can say something bad about you. Maybe it hurts your confidence. But I think I think confidence in your ability as a wrestler should come internally should be built internally not externally and so I think when you get a strong foundation of your mental process or like when you get when you figure out your mental process and and the mental space you need to be in to compete at a high level I think it makes going into a tournament like that easy whether you're an underdog or the one seed because 
I don't know. I feel like it's all just kind of relative. You know what I mean? No, it is. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. It's funny. You touched on about uh, three different questions that I have written down to ask you. Um, so that's, that's, that's going to be a good setup for, you know, coming in for the rest of the interview. Now, uh, I'm going to go along with what you just said to lead Ronnie into the same qu- question. Um, you know, in wrestling, just like all sports, athletes tend to get caught up in the hype of records rankings, seeds, the last time you wrestled somebody. Um, you know, at Wrestling Mindset, we call that the fan mentality. And, you know, you can only be a competitor or a fan. You can't be both. So, you know, we have to choose which one that we're going to be. So, you know, Mark, you talked about how you remove numbers. You just treated every match the same, um, which we'll talk about later. Um, but essentially, you focused on your process. Now, Ronnie, as the 15th seed in the tournament, you know, you also – you that's something that you would have had to overcome, whether it was easy, whether it was hard, whether you came in being like, man, I'm the 15 seed, let me roll the dice, whatever it may be. Talk us through that process for you um, and what it meant to prove that your seed meant absolutely nothing. It was about how well you wrestled those two days. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree with Mock. I, I just try to take it a match at a time when I got there. So, I mean, you come in as a 15 seed. Um, obviously, you have an unseeded wrestler right away. But, like I said, everybody everybody at the national tournament's tough. So, I mean, it's not like, oh, I have an easy one first round. Like, let's get through that. Um, you know, you got to show up to wrestle every match there. And that's how, that's kind of kind of what the game plan was. I didn't look ahead at anything. Um by any means, I, I wrestled the match I had in front of me. All right, we're done with that one. Let's see who we have next. You know, I, I didn't look uh, look forward in the bracket or anything like that. And when uh, when you're wrestling a guy that maybe is supposed to beat you on paper, you know, I, I treated it like every other match as well. You, you game plan for that guy. All right, we, we won this past match. Who do we have next? Let's look at it. All right, let's come up with a game plan. You know, be calm, relax, confident, and then, and then uh, uh, try to try to follow the game plan. So that was kind of the mentality I had as far as uh, I didn't really care what I, what number was next to my name in the bracket. You know, I, I don't think it mattered. Um, everybody's got to wrestle seven minutes. Everybody puts on a singlet, puts their shoes on, puts headgear on, and, and wrestles. So there's no difference between the, the one seed or an unseeded guy as far as what they have to go and do. So um, that was how I looked at it a little bit. I just kind of went a match at a time, tried to stay focused and, and relaxed and, and confident in my ability. So, you know, we, this is stuff that we talk about. And every wrestler understands, oh, records and rankings don't matter, right? You know, we just have to focus on wrestling. And, you know, obviously we, we have some tools that systematically can, can bring that into someone's ability to execute in a wrestling match. But for you guys, you know, I'm assuming that wasn't your thought process forever. You know, I'm assuming at one point seeds and records and rankings probably mattered to you. Maybe it was in high school. Maybe there's a turning point in college. What, at what point, you know, or what, what changed how you guys viewed that and were able to truly focus on yourselves and eliminate, like Mock said, eliminate the noise. So, you know, Mock, what, what, at, at what point were you able to eliminate the noise and just focus on wrestling and, and your process? Um, you know, I, I, don't, I can't think of a specific point in my career. I would say it's like a gradual process that you kind of have to commit to. I think if you are honest with yourself 
and you figure out whether or not rankings do affect you. Like, you know, I, there there definitely was like certain points in your career where certain points, at least in my career, where, where ranking might have like affected, okay, how I wrestle and so on. I used to do a good job getting up for high ranked guys, like top five guys. Are easy, easy match for me to get up for. Easy match for me to be motivated for because you got nothing to lose. But if it was like someone who was like maybe 20 through 30, not that I'd be nervous, but it was harder for me to get up for. I think like maybe I would be like, at least early on in my career, I would lose matches to guys that maybe I should have been beaten on paper and then. I think I would have closer matches with guys that I should have gotten majored by. Um, and I think at some point you got to, you know, tell yourself, like, you know, this needs to stop affecting the way I wrestle and I need to figure out how to get rid of that. And so, you know, I started meeting with a, a sports psychologist, I think, my redshirt year, because NC State provides that resource for us. And uh, her name is Michelle Joshua. And I just started meeting with her and I, uh, we started talking about like optimal mindset, mental space, where, where I need to be putting myself prior to matches, post-match, stuff like that. And I think, you know, I think that was a gradual process that I committed to over the past like two and a half, three years. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And that was actually one of the questions I've written down that I'll ask Ronnie too, because I know Ronnie, you've got a little bit of exposure to some stuff down there. So we'll save your response um, <clears throat> about that to the end. But it's almost, I guess, what, what, what I want to gather from that is a lot of us, you know, we have to have some sort of training to be able to overcome that, you know, regardless of the resource that you use, it's, we are conditioned to look and see, oh, that's the number one seat. I'm not even unseated. I don't belong with that guy. As wrestlers, we're conditioned to think those things, but that doesn't mean that that's the reality. I mean, you can give countless examples of why that's not true. You could also just realize that, like Ronnie, you said, you know, everyone's got to put on the same shoes. The mats are the same size. You know, we got seven minutes to wrestle. Our objective never changes. Whether you're wrestling the number one seed at the NCAA tournament or whether you're wrestling at some local, you know, Shorty Hitchcock Invitational and, you know, your objective never changes. It's you got to beat a guy up, make him quit, improve your position and score points. So, Ronnie, <clears throat> I guess to, just to piggyback on what Mock's saying, what allowed you to help let go of letting records or rankings uh, affect you, or did they really never affect you? No, I think as I think if any wrestler tells you that they never affected them, I think they're lying a little bit because I think every wrestler's had that kind of thought in the back of his mind when maybe like you're you're wrestling a guy that you should beat. Um, you know, you, I think I, I I was the same way. I got a little more nervous for those matches because you know. I felt like I had something to lose or like, I don't know if it was self self pressure or what, but I'm, I'm thinking, all right, I, I should win this match. There's no reason I shouldn't, um, you know? So I got that little negative voice kind of talking in my head a little bit at times. And I think that's something that as my college career went on a little bit, I, I got better with a, maybe a little positive self-talk um, before my matches, you know? Um, well, Hey, this dude is pretty good that I'm wrestling, but then, you know, I'm pretty good too. So Stuff like that, um, I think, helped me out a lot. And then just as my confidence grew um, throughout my career, I think helped a lot uh, just with that sort of stuff and, and knowing that, that my, my skills and my abilities are, are pretty good as a wrestler. So 
Um, that definitely helped. I think just a little self-talk before you're about to wrestle, you know, be ready, be ready to fight for seven minutes, kind of telling yourself that it's going to be a battle, you know, stuff like that. Um, definitely helped me throughout my career. For sure. I, I like how you both said different parts of this in different ways, talking about how it's not about having something to lose. It's about having something to prove. And that's in every situation. A lot of times, like Mock said, you know, sometimes you lost to people that you probably shouldn't have, but then you overperformed in matches that you were quote unquote not supposed to do well in. So when we wrestle with the mindset of always having something to prove, instead of worrying about letting somebody down, well, how do we make them proud? There's always two ways that we, we can look at those sort of situations. And we each figure out that a little bit differently. You know, like Mike said, uh, it's all a matter of, What's your process in figuring out how to develop that? So leads right into my next question. You know, Mike, I talked to you after NCAAs at the social, and you talked a lot about process. Um, even I loved what you said about losing in the ACC championships and realizing that doesn't mean that your process failed. There's just some wrestling IQ questions that maybe you have to change, some little areas where you have to make improvements and adjustments. Uh, but you – lost in the ACC finals, and then also didn't get caught up in a big win over Colin Moore. So let's play that audio real quick, and we're going to let you guys hear it who never heard the interview prior to. Out here after the NCAA tournament, we got NCAA champion. How does that feel? Michael Macchiarolo. It feels awesome. Sounds even better. I bet it sounds even better. So, you know, Mike, I saw you celebrate after the Colin Moore victory, and you checked yourself real quick. Um, you know, you celebrated after each victory this past weekend, but you didn't check yourself. What was the difference? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, the difference is, you know, I was thinking, you know, it's not the NCAA tournament. There's still more work to be done. I can celebrate and, and get super excited about a win like that and treat it like it was the national finals. But at the end of the day, that win doesn't dictate my performance at the NCAA tournament. You know, obviously it's a big win, but that doesn't guarantee me an NCAA championship. And so, you know, just kind of realizing that in the moment and just saying, you know what, check yourself. That's a great win, but you still got to keep it rolling. You still got to stay focused because there's still more work to be done in the NCAA championships. And this week, I, um, you know, it's the week to let your emotions ride. It's, it's a fun tournament, and you just got to gotta let loose. And so that was the difference. Now, you lost to uh, the same guy that you uh, beat in the finals. You lost to in the ACC finals. How do you come back from a loss so soon? And then when all the marbles are on the line, how do you stay relaxed in that situation? Um, I think the biggest thing in that situation is just stick to your process. So going into both of those matches, I went in with the mentality that I was going to win. and or I was going to compete hard and, and that the winning was going to take care of itself. And so, you know, just because I lost doesn't mean that my process leading up to the match didn't work, you know what I'm saying? Because it's worked all season, just because I lost that match. So because of that, you know, I realized, all right, there were just maybe some wrestling IQ or strategic adjustments that I had to make, not the mental process that I used to prepare for that match. And so going to this match, I kept that mental process the exact same. Mike, what you had said in that little brief interview, you know, we talked about how after you lost, like we said, you trusted the process, how even after a big win over Colin Moore, you got excited real quick and realized, like, hey, this isn't the end of my game. Tell us a little bit more about what that meant to you. Trust in the process, even in a loss, and getting fo uh, staying focused in the end goal, not getting caught up before you got there. Um, yeah, so I, um, you know, I think about the interview and the question that you asked me after NCAAs. Uh, the reason why I said that 
it wasn't my process that needed to be changed. It was more of like an adjustment. Some adjustments that needed to be made was because my process had been working all year. And on top of that, even though I had lost the match, it, I didn't wrestle bad. I didn't wrestle poorly. It was, you know, triple overtime and it came down to the wire. Really, really close match. And so if I would have wrestled really poorly, if I would have made like a lot of errors, you know, then then I would have maybe tried to look at my process and, and thought about, okay, maybe something needs to change there. But like I wrestled well, I'd been wrestling well all year. And so I don't think what I had did to prepare for the match was wrong. And so that's why I ultimately kind of decided was just like, all right, well, still do the same thing I've been doing. I just got to make in-match adjustments, you know, not pre-match adjustments. Great. No, that's well said. Um, so I'm going to ask this next question to both of you, and this relates to what we're just talking about as well. A lot of wrestlers make certain matches special, the choking big matches, you know, getting caught up in the last time that you wrestled or how special, quote unquote, the match is supposed to be. But like we both, all three of us said, it's every match is the same, whether it's the NCAA finals or the first round of a, you know, of a, of a early season open tournament. Our objectives are the same. Our process is the same. Nothing is different outside of just maybe technique and tact, uh, strategy-wise, how we approach the wrestling in the match. So what did you guys do, or how did you treat those matches, just like any other day in the office? So, Mike, I'll talk specifically to your rematch uh, in the NCAA Finals. And, you know, Ronnie, how did you treat being in the NCAA Tournament and the quarters and then the semis against Kalazic leading into the finals against a two-time Hodge Trophy winner? How do you treat a match against Zane Rutherford the exact way that you treat you know, match against NCAA, uh, uh, against anybody else in the NCAA tournament. So, Ronnie, we'll start with you. You know, how do you treat your NCAA finals match against Zane Rutherford just like every other one? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's the NCAA finals. It's kind of something you dream of uh, being there. And um, you want to make sure that you're you're in, a, in the right place to wrestle your best match of your life, really. So, um I, I honestly tr tried to treat it exactly like I did the whole tournament um, coming up. It was the same thing when the semifinals, who we have, Rutherford. Um, I, we had wrestled during the summer a little bit, so I, we both had kind of a feel for each other, I guess you'd say, a little bit um, going into the match. But like I said, I just tried to treat it the same. Me, uh, me and the coaches kind of watched a little film. Um just to, you know, look at some things that he was doing just to be aware of. Um, and it was the same thing, same game plan, you know, stay calm. I think I did a really good job of staying relaxed before it, not getting too too hyped up or overly hyped before the match, you know, and ended up getting tired during it or something like that. Um, we, I think we did a, a really good job of staying relaxed and focused. How do you stay um, relaxed and focused? What, do you, what, do you, what are your tactics that you use in your pre-match routine? You know, um, a lot of it was throughout the whole day, really. We had, a, we had a schedule, exactly. We knew exactly. So we weigh in in the morning, um, came up with the exact schedule of when we're going back to the hotel, relaxing for a while, um, when we're going to get our first, like, hard warm-up in, what time exactly. And then um, same thing as, like, a little warm-up before the match, too. So it was kind of having, having a nice schedule of knowing exactly when we're doing stuff, where we're doing stuff. And, and how we're going to do stuff is just kind of puts it at ease for me. So I know exactly what we're doing. And then, like I said, it's just uh, bef like right before the match, I'm just 
you know, a little positive self-talk uh, is the same thing that was kind of helping me the whole time. Telling myself that I'm, I'm here for a reason. I'm going to stay relaxed, you know, breathing a little bit. Stuff like that was helping me kind of stay calm and, and focus on the match. And then, um, you know, I think those were the, the big keys for me for treating it just like any other match. That sounds great. So staying relaxed before the match, you know, being able to being able to have that routine that makes you feel comfortable, you know, routines quiet the mind and, you know, being able to warm up the same way for the NCAA finals as you would for any other match. That's a huge value. And, you know, have just mm-hmm. having that ability yeah. to reset yourself. So, you know, Mock, I'll, uh, I'll turn it over to you in talking about how, how do you treat every match the same? This is, you know, your first and only NCAA finals appearance. You're facing a guy that you just lost to. How do you treat that match just like any other match of the entire season? Um, you know, I'd say just exactly what Ronnie said, you know, like pre-match warm-up, keep the routine the same. Um, you know, making sure that I, um, sticking to the exact same things that were putting me in the right, you know, space I need to be mentally before. So, you know, I think he did a great job explaining it, to be honest, but I think, um, you know, going into the finals, I know I'm wrestling a guy I lost to before. I know it's the NCAA finals. And... If I allow myself to, you know, hype up the match or make it a, a really big, you know, make it the big deal that it is, I might get nervous. I might freeze up or, you know, something like that. And so what I tried my best to do was just kind of like treat it the exact same as any other match. Warm up the exact same way. Don't do anything special. I don't need to. And uh, just stick to what I've been doing all year. Is there anything you tell yourself before your match, like that you always tell yourself something, you know, Ronnie's talking about positive self-talk. We talk a lot about positive affirmations. You know, that's a, that's a very small part of the very long process when it comes to training your mind, but it's very important, especially every single time before your matches. So what's something that you maybe tell yourself before you get ready to wrestle? Um, uh, honestly, part of my pre-match warm-up Obi Blanc puts me through some stance in motion, do some high knees. I'll hit some sprints and I'll do through some stance motion again. And then after that, I'll just do like this heavy breathing exercise. And now that I'm doing that heavy breathing exercise, every single pre-match warm up, Obi's just telling me, you're a mental giant. You're a mental giant. And then he says a bunch of other stuff too, but that's probably the most consistent thing that, that, you know, he said before every single match was just, you're a mental giant, you know, and, it just a lot of positive self-talk. And he would also say, he would run through some mental scenarios, be like, all right, you get in on the shot. You come back up, he pulls you up, he hits you to a headlock, you go straight to your back, he's scoring back points, stop. Eliminate it, don't even think about that. Don't even think about that. He's like, think about getting to your shots. And just, you know, positive stuff like that. And it, I w- it would just be me walking back and forth and then Obi just talking in my ear, so. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the... um the the heavy breathing exercise is this the is this the thing that I've read about the uh, oh gosh I'm trying to remember the guy that created it but is that that thing where you take a a certain number of extremely deep breaths and it uh, it essentially puts you two in some sort of flow state is that the thing that I'm thinking of? <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about that because we were talking about that at dinner yesterday. But no, it's just me like breathing in and out, taking deep breaths, taking a deep breath. So like so we have five elements of a pre match routine for the wrestling specific pre match routine. So it's a uh, uh, first one, 
you know, being dynamic exercises, get your body moving. Second one, some sort of element of fun. So I'm going to ask you guys uh, about your element of fun here in a minute. Third, some deep breathing, which obviously both of you guys are doing. Fourth, drilling and hand fighting, which both of you guys are doing. Fifth, positive self-talk, which both of you guys are doing. Now, what I didn't hear and what I'm curious is like, what is your element of fun? That's something Yanni talked a lot about is, you know, his warm-up more than anything consists of him feeling relaxed, feeling good, joking with Mike Gray, you know, having something where he can take the edge off. What's your element of fun, both of you guys, in your routine? So, uh, Ronnie, we'll start with you. Yeah, you know, um, mine isn't a specific thing for sure, but I was just kind of joking around with Coach Moore before the finals. Uh, you know, I'm kind of getting loose, uh, pacing around a little bit, getting ready to walk out. And I'm like, I, I looked at him. I'm like, you nervous? You nervous or what? <laughs> and he's just, we kind of started joking around like that a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, and he's joking around with me. And same thing, Coach Weichel, too. I mean, we always make sure we keep it uh, keep it light before we go out there. You know, not too serious. But, um, you know, we just, we kind of, we joke around a little bit. Nothing specific. But I just remember that specifically, talking with Coach Moore. I, I don't know. He looked a little nervous before we were about to walk out there. So I had to make sure he was all right. <laughs> That's too funny, man. That's too funny. Uh, Ronnie, I've got some specific questions for you, too. So, you know, I found it interesting, uh, and I haven't heard this necessarily mentioned in a lot of places. Correct me if I'm wrong. You went two and two at the Southern Scuffle, right? Uh, one, one and two. two. One and Wait. two? Two and two? Yeah, one and two. I, th- one and- I think it was one, one and two. It okay, was one and so two. Let's, let's, let's check my math here. One and two at the Southern Scuffle, and then you went on an 18-match win streak straight to the NCAA Finals. Accurate? Yeah, I think What so, changed yeah. in your mindset leaving the Southern Scuffle with a poor performance and, you know, sprinting to the NCAA Finals? Yeah, so I was, I was, a little, I was in a little bit of a dark place there after the Scuffle, you know. I mean, obviously it didn't go how I wanted it to go. And, and going into that tournament, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to go in there – win the thing, go to the finals at least, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I think what happened there was I'm putting a lot of self-pressure on myself, you know. I think it was the same thing we talked about earlier. You know, I, I should win this first round, you know. There's no reason I shouldn't, stuff like that. And I think it really hurt my performance um, as far as that goes. And I think that first match loss really kind of, you know, put me down for the rest of the tournament almost. Um, so, after that, I was like, you know what, it, I'm, you know, that didn't work. You know, I, my, my wrestling was not where I, where I wanted to be and not where it definitely could be. So I kind of, after that tournament, I just took a step back a little bit and I was like, you know what, it, it's just time to wrestle without, without any of that pressure anymore. You know, my, my family's still proud of me. My coach is mm, you know, still proud of me. So yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it was all perspective for me and that kind of, that helped me to that little match win streak there um, at the end of the year for sure. It was just, you know, no, no people around me are still supporting me, still proud of me. You know, my, my college career was better than I'd ever imagined it would be to that point anyway. So, you know, you know what I have to lose at this point, let's just kind of go. Knowing that life is way bigger than wrestling. Something that we hear amongst the biggest champions in our sport to hear Jordan Burroughs, you know, not uh, to underperform in the NCAA, in the Olympic championships and say, you know, I'm sorry for disappointing everyone. I disappointed myself, but you know what? My family still loves me. God still loves me. I've got kids home to kiss when I, when I, when I fly back to the U S you know, having that perspective, you also hear that perspective in almost all of the great champions. You hear it in Kyle Snyder, you hear it in, 
a lot of the interviews from the guys at Penn State, you hear them talking about uh, – I remember hearing, speaking of Zane Rutherford, from when he won the Hodge Trophy, he said, I'm thankful for the opportunity to bring this back to Penn State. Didn't thank his coaches, didn't thank – you know, didn't talk about himself, didn't talk about how great of a moment it was. He was thankful for the opportunity to bring it back to his town that he spent the last you know, few years in. And our first principal uh, in wrestling mindset, we talk about being thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. That doesn't necessarily have to directly apply to wrestling. It's, it's everything. Thankfulness is actually the opposite of depression, uh, not happiness. So when you're thankful for things, it provides perspective. When wrestling is not your cake, a poor performance does not define your day, does not define your week, does not define your season. And I just find it interesting, no matter how many times I interview great guys around the world, that somehow comes up in our, in our conversations. So that was pretty cool. So perspective for you. Um, change yeah. your perspective. Changing your perspective changed your pressure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, looking at it a different way took kind of all that pressure. You know, off. and having the having the thought process of knowing that, you know, people talk about, well, I'm just going to go out there and wrestle for myself. I'm going to go out there and have fun. Well, that's hard to do when wrestling is the most important thing in your life. But when you remember that there is more important things, that wrestling is like the icing to your cake, not necessarily the whole cake. And you could tell, I'm not going to name names, but there were some wrestlers this year that when they started facing some adversity, uh, you know, win, win, winning NCAA titles didn't necessarily influence how they finished the rest of their season. They started performing poorly, and all of a sudden they started continuing to perform poorly. They got caught up in the, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be this. I did this last year. I can't be doing this. Now, I can't say that for sure, but I'm just saying we, we, we both saw, all three of us, saw some guys that were pretty darn good wrestlers, and they did not finish their seasons very well. So I think those might be some guys that might have lost a little perspective whereas you gain some perspective. Uh, next question I had, you're in the semis match against Kaladzic. You know, you're tied with short time, correct? Yeah, yeah. I think it was 3-3 three, three with like 30 seconds Tied with short time. That's one of the best wrestlers in the country. You know, uh, first time, obviously, like, you know, being in the NCAA semifinals. Now, guys, I just want to give some perspective for the listeners and for obviously you guys too. I say these things talking as a fan because this is what fans think it's not because these are the right like competitors we're not supposed to think about these things it shouldn't matter that it's the finals it shouldn't matter that it's one of the uh best wrestlers in the country that's the whole point is that those of you listening wrestlers and coaches remind yourselves that you know you hear my voice i'm speaking as the fan mentality but the competitor never buys into the hype so back to the question it's tied late in the semis. You know, you, you get the takedown. You go to the NCAA finals. You don't get the takedown. Ah, oh, man, what a what a good story that got cut short. How do you pull it together to finish that match strong? What were you telling yourself? Um, I think the the best thing about it was I wasn't telling myself anything. I think uh, I wrestle a lot better when I'm not thinking about stuff than when I am. You know, when you get out there and start thinking about what he's doing, yep. all of a sudden he's doing that. He's doing that stuff to you. So it was. I, it, it was a it was a feel thing for sure. I mean, a late takedown, thirty seconds to go. Um, it was more a feel thing than anything. It was just kind of, I, I to be honest with you, I didn't want it to go to overtime. You know, I, I wanted to finish the match there, and um, 
So it was just kind of a feel thing, you know, something I'd been doing for a, a while. And, um, you know, you got to have that go-to stuff. But it was uh, it was just kind of not, not thinking, not necessarily thinking. Uh, it was just continuing to wrestle, you know. We had 30 more minutes, 30 more seconds to go, so you know you're gonna wrestle the rest of that match out. So uh, that's kind of how. There's it was time for on me. the clock. That means there's time to wrestle. Doesn't matter how much time. Doesn't matter what the yep, score exactly. is. You know, Jordan Burroughs was up by six with eight seconds left to beat the streets two years ago, and he shot three times. Why? Because there's time on the clock. I'm not gonna not try to score, no matter how much time there's left. Whether I'm winning or losing, my mindset never changes. I'm out there to beat guys up and score points. So. Um, you know, I, 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 I liked what you said there, and I liked the fact that you're saying, you know, instead of taking the focus off of anywhere else, the focus just stays on yourself and your wrestling. We call that essentially the predator mindset, not because it's about lions and, you know, angry looking animals that eat people up. It's about focusing on ourselves. Predators only have eyes in the front of their head. That's what distinguishes them from prey animals. Prey have eyes on the side of their head. So they're focused on everything around them. Predator mindset when it comes to wrestling, predator wrestlers, they have this laser focus on their objective at hand, which is win that position, improve my position, score points, not I got to win this match. Let, let, let me think 10 steps ahead. Well, what if this happens? No, it's whatever the moment that you're in. And I don't remember if it was you. I think it was Mock talking about being able to wrestle in the moment. And that's essentially the culmination of what predator mindset allows you to do. You wrestle in that moment because you have these blinders on. I'm going to win this position. Then I'm going to win the next position. I'm going to try to score points along the way. And I'm trying to make this guy quit the whole time. So um, good to hear you hear, uh, you say that as well. So that leads me, that yeah, leads me sure. into, um, I guess I'll ask, being that you talked about it a little bit, um, Mock, what does that predator mindset mean to you? So when we talk about having a laser focus on our objective, you know, beating guys up, improving our position, scoring points, um, what are the things that you focus on and have that predator mentality when you wrestle? Um, honestly, the exact same thing. I, my, my main focus going into a lot of my matches is score points. Um, so it's funny that you say that literally what my sports psychologist, the sports psychologist at NC State and talk about a lot is just focus on scoring points. Don't focus on the outcome and avoid this outcome oriented focus One yes. because like it takes away from, I don't know, it, it takes mental energy to, to, to think about that stuff. And if you can devote all of your mental energy and focus to just being in the match, being present, being where your feet are, feet are, and just scoring points. I think the winning kind of just takes care of itself. So, like, obviously, as a competitor, my goal is to win, but that's not my main priority. I feel like the main priority in my matches is just to go out there, wrestle, and and score as many points as I can in seven minutes. And when the clock's when the clock hits zero, you know I hope that you know I have scored the most points within that seven minute time frame, and you know I pray that you know I have the win. But if I don't, I know value is not my performance. And then you know what Ronnie said, I'm loved either way by the people who are around me and by the man upstairs. So absolutely, you know we talk about focus on what you can control, and in wrestling. You know, what we talk about, which a lot of great coaches talk about, which are probably going to be the same things, you know, that, you know, anyone that is involved in some sort of mindset training talks about. It's your effort, your attitude, and then in wrestling, also your aggressiveness. Kyle Snyder will say effort, attitude, and attack rate. 
you know, we talk about effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Um, shout out to my man, Brad Pataki, you know, former uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Penn State college wrestler. And I worked with his team this past year, and he loves talking about effort and attitude so much that he even put it on the wall of his wrestling room. And that's really what the process, the performance factors that we can focus on during our match that take care of our outcome. If we go out there and give 110%, our attitude, like Ronnie said, I belong here. I'm here to score points, like Mock said. You know, I'm not here to win. I'm here to dominate. If I only win 3-2, it's because that, that I literally gave everything that I had, but I didn't go out there trying to squeeze a close match. Ronnie, you said you didn't want to send it in overtime. You had the right attitude. You know, you're going out there saying that I belong. I don't want to send this into overtime. I'm going to take control. That's that predator mentality. I'm going to focus on myself, not throw my dice in overtime. Um, but effort, attitude are the performance factors. And then aggressiveness. You know, what does that look like in a wrestling match? That looks like, am I taking the first shot? Am I constantly looking to get out on bottom? Am I looking to pin people or am I looking to just hold them down? You know, am I, am I staying aggressive around the out of bounds and at the end of periods? Things like that. So, it's great to hear that you guys talk about such uh, important pieces of the mindset in wrestling. So that leads me straight into talking about mindset training. So Ronnie, you know, uh, I'm sorry, not uh, Ronnie, Mock, you, you and I talked and you've mentioned a lot about the sports psychologist that you work with at NC mm -hmm. State and, you know, how she's had a big impact in your life. So tell me the value that mindset training working with the sports psych you have at NC state, uh, what that has done for you. Uh, it's done a lot. I think, you know, being able to perform at that level and win an NCAA title isn't just me. I think it, there's so many moving parts. I think it takes uh, a village. I think it takes the coaching staff. I think it takes the resources from the athletic administration. I think it takes teammates, training partners, and I think it takes a sports psychologist and mindset training. I think, I think she was huge for, you know, helping me develop mentally and, you know, getting to where I got in my career. I always tell people, she's like, I call her a mental coach. I don't even really call her a sports psychologist. She's literally a mental coach. So I think, uh, I think it's huge. I think, you know, people, people look at mindset training, mental coaching in a couple ways. It's, ah, I'm already really good. I don't need it. Forgetting that, well, we all have some areas that we need to get better at, number one. Uh, number two, it's always a huge edge in competition at the highest level. You know, at the top 10 guys in the NCAA tournament, there's not really a lot of technique that's going to separate number one through number 10. Maybe a little bit, but ultimately, you know, who's mentally going to be able to wrestle in that moment when, it, when everything's on the line? Um, you know, the other thing that people, um, you know, confuse about, uh, mindset training and in, in addition to having, you know, you know, how you don't have to have a deficit, right? We could always find an edge. It's not about having a deficit, but it's also, it's an important part of wrestling. If you've got a coach for your strength, you've got a coach for your technique, just like you called her. She's your mental coach. She's not necessarily some doctor that you go and have a counseling and therapy session with. That's not what, you know, mental coaching is. It's someone right. to coach the most important part of your sport. And I'll reinforce that to everybody that's listening. And we all know the answers, but it's great to hear it from you guys too. You know, what percentage mock of wrestling is mental? <laughs> I don't want to say all of it, but it's a pretty, pretty good bit. It's a lot. Ronnie, what about you? What, what, what percentage of wrestling is mental? 
I'm going to go 80-20. So we're going to say... 80-20 is good. I like that. 80-20. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. The idea here is that, you know, 80% of the, of the sport is mental at a minimum. Kerry Collot will say 95%. You know, the bottom line, a lot of wrestling is mental, but we spend bare minimal amount of time, if any, training that side. So if, if we want to approach the sport at the highest levels or just want to be successful in it, we need to have a coach in all our areas. Each of you have a strength coach. Each of you have a technique coach, right? It's so important for people. You can't ignore how important mindset is and be like, ah, I'm just going to like write my goals down and like say some things to pump me up and watch some motivational videos on Instagram. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, too, I think you could f find ways to, to do it yourself. Like, Ronnie, I don't know if you guys have a sports psychologist, but clearly you you figured out a way to, to, to get your mind where it needed to be, you know? Well, it's funny. So, like, I have a question. So, Ronnie, uh, Dom Linkus is uh, – how do you pronounce Dom's last name? Linkalis. Linkalis. So, 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 yeah, Dom Linkalis. <laughs> So shout out to Dom. Dom is a guy that uh, does some work with our company and, you know, he's kind of uh, involved and embedded within your program. Um, tell me, you know, what your interaction with Dom had been throughout this year and, you know, whether it be stuff that you saw, things that we've said or stuff that Dom has shared with you guys. What, what's been kind of the interaction there with your exposure to, necessary, to, to, to what we do and things that we say, which share a lot of, you know, with all the great mental coaches throughout the country. Um, what was your exposure to that through Dom? Yeah, man, Dom's a savage. He's the man who <laughs> kills me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, no, actually, we got, him, we got him involved with the team this year a little bit more than usual. And um, so every Friday we had, uh, it's called Dom Set Friday. Um, and he would come up with it. He would come up with uh, like a little kind of spiel to give us at the beginning of practice, man. Get us hyped up a little bit. Um, you know, he, he's talked about a lot of the things we're talking about right now. You know, uh, the guy across from me is wearing the same. Like he's wearing a singlet. He's wearing shoes. You gotta. He's gotta do the same thing. You guys both have the same objective stuff like that. You know, um, he always made sure we're training hard. And no, but we did that little thing every Friday. You know, he's giving us. He's uh. He's definitely coaching us up mentally. No, that's awesome. So, you know, shout out to Dom. I know he's a big supporter of, of what we do, and we appreciate his efforts. And, you know, I was happy to see as Lockhaven was doing so well in the tournament, I couldn't help to think of, you know, maybe even a big part or small part, the part that Dom played and just mindset in general played in the what everyone's calling is going to be the resurgence of Lockhaven, you know, between Scott Moore and the coaches that he's got there and you kind of reminding everybody, hey, dude, don't have to go to Penn State to be good at college wrestling in, in, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's awesome. And uh, uh, it's been it's been awesome to be a part of it, yeah, for sure. Awesome. So what would you say, you know, again, for you, what was the value of just training your mindset even in a even in like a, uh, a, a more passive way than Mock did? Um, what, what was the value of that for you this year? Um, you know, it was good. I think uh, it gave me – a little bit of a confidence to be able to kind of do that, do that my own way, you know, kind of figure it out myself. Not that I didn't have help because I, I definitely had a lot of help. Um, but, you know, to be able to, to kind of figure out yourself what works for you and, and what's going to help you perform is kind of, kind of cool for me because uh, it's something that I can use outside of wrestling. Oh, heck as well. yeah. 
you know it doesn't just it doesn't just have to be all uh, before my wrestling matches you know to to be able to kind of coach yourself a little bit and, and figure it out yourself is big for me i, I don't know um, if i think i think it'll i don't know if out. i ever told you you know um prior to joining wrestling mindset i was in the fbi for seven years and yeah oh, nice. and so i mean i i'm a trained hostage negotiator you know spent my first three years in the washington dc office and you know a lot of the skills that i learned through wrestling were became applicable in my in my everyday life now as a mindset coach on a regular basis you know i run my own club i travel all around the country um but what i what i learn in mindset training has helped me so much off the mat so so much off the mat it made me a better coach a better person and the stuff that you guys are going to take with you essentially the the mental barriers that you broke down via wrestling However you did, the barriers that you broke down are going to teach you lessons that in 10 years from now, you're going you're, you're gonna to make it through a situation and remember exactly where you learned it from. And that's the great thing that I hope more people take advantage of whatever form of mindset training they do, but they take, they take some sort of ownership in developing their mindset because when you graduate college and you're in the real world and real life is hitting you, uh, you're going to be the one handling it, not anybody else, just like in wrestling. So if we can get to people to learn the lessons in wrestling that you have, uh, that Mike has, that I have, I think we'll have a much more successful generation uh, moving forward. So I've got a couple questions for you guys uh, as we get ready to finish up our interview, um, kind of spitfire between the two of you. So first one, um, Ronnie, what was your mental edge in Cleveland? You know, I think it was just staying relaxed. I think that helped me so much, you know, taking the pressure off of myself, um, I think was the biggest thing. And then I think another thing that was huge was um, not looking ahead in the bracket. I think that helped me out a lot, you know, just kind of looking at the match I have ahead of me. And then once you get through that one, you focus on the next one. I think those two things were, were really what helped me out. So you said in your, the quote I asked you, I said, you know, provide one quote that means something to you. You said, bring the fight. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So that's just something I'm telling myself before the matches, you know, some guys don't want it to be hard or they, yeah, they don't want it to be hard. You know, they want to go out there and, and have an easy match and stuff. And, um, you know, that was kind of starting to get to be something that I was thinking, you know, a while back. So, I started telling myself, you know, let's let's bring the fight. Let's be ready to fight this guy. Um, it, you know what I mean? It's not going to be easy. And stuff like that was was really something that I tell myself before my matches that, that really helps me kind of get ready or, or, and get motivated for those matches. Bring the fight. I think that's a, I think that's a quote that needs to go viral. So I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll uh, do my best to make that happen. Yeah, help me out a little bit, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, our social media streams are pretty popular, but I think you guys are, are uh, among a handful that probably gained a couple thousand followers in the last couple of weeks. So, Muck, your mental edge in Cleveland was what? Um, Just staying present and focusing on what I needed to do in the moment. Not getting too far ahead of myself, not dwelling on, you know, past performances or past rounds and just being where my feet were. I, I, so I've heard you say that a couple times, be where your feet are. Uh, is that something, is that something your mental coach said to you? No. So actually um, our associate AD, uh, Raymond Harrison, actually is something that he says, and he, he tells me that a lot, like be where your feet are. 
be where your feet are. And he actually came out to Cleveland with us. And, and uh, he texted that to me. I can't remember which day it was, but it's something that he's been telling me for a while now. And it's just something that's kind of been like instilled in my mind. And I think about it all the time. And, you know, whether it's in life or in wrestling, just stay present. Enjoy, enjoy the moment, you know? No, absolutely. I, I think enjoy the moment is so overplayed. Be where your feet are. I think, again, that's another thing that, 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 that needs to go viral. Because we could say, hey, just go out there, have fun, enjoy the moment. And we've heard that stuff our whole life. Hey, go out there, be where your feet are. I, I think that has so much more of an impact um, on, on that statement. I think we've drowned out some of those other things that we've heard before. And I think, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to push the heck out of those quotes. I love them. Um, so, Mike, you already kind of talked about your quote. Um, that we mentioned before, you know, talking about how, you know, you had to believe in yourself before anyone else. So I will let you lead into the next one. What do you, uh, Ronnie, actually, I guess our next question, you both already answered. We were going to talk about a specific pre-match routine. You know, Mike, you pretty much, you literally ran through the exact thing of what we encourage people to do. Dynamic stretches, deep breathing, element of fun, uh, um, positive self-talk. Ronnie, you do the same thing. Um, I like this next one. So, Greg Jones, do you guys know who Greg is? Yeah. Ronnie, you know who Greg is? All right. I don't. So, Greg, nah. shame on you as a, as a Pennsylvania wrestler, okay? <laughs> so, Greg was only a two-timer in high school, but he was a three-time NCAA champion. Uh, he was undefeated right. his junior, senior year, hailed from Pennsylvania, him and his brother, Virtus. Um, and so, Greg, you know, just to give a little bit of background on Greg. So, Greg is a... Uh, Greg wins his freshman year and then loses out, not even close. His sophomore year did not perform well. Uh, comes back, bounces back undefeated. Would have been a four-timer. Blames it on mindset why his sophomore year didn't go the way that he wanted. Loses his first match at the NCAA tournament, actually. So Greg, in addition to wrestling mindset, um, I'm one of the directors in martial arts mindset. Greg is now the wrestling coach for over 20 UFC and Bellator fighters. Him and I have teamed up and, we, and we're working together to help you know the highest level of fighters all the way down to the guys trying to win local tournaments, bring their mindset to the next level. Greg uh, wrote an article with me recently for Flow Combat. And the focus was as high level athletes, it's okay to get nervous. You're supposed to get nervous. The hero and the coward feel the same thing the difference is how they respond. So my first question is, do you feel like you still get nervous at the highest level in the sport? And what have you done? Let's remind people what you have done to handle those nerves. So, Mike, we'll start with you. Um, so I guess we'll, I definitely relate with that. I think, I think there are certain moments where you get nervous, and I think there are, like – you kind of, I just see it as like a positive. I just kind of see it as like a good thing. If I'm a little nervous, that just tells me that I'm ready. It's kind of how I look at it. That's exactly right. It's funny you say that, you know, one of the worksheets we do is, uh, so relaxing under pressure week one is redefining nervousness. And the hero and the coward feel the same thing. We all feel, we all feel the same exact things when we get ner when we're about to wrestle. The same feelings when we're wrestling a nobody versus a somebody. We feel those same feelings. Uh, the difference is, is what we do with them. So when you get that pit in your stomach feeling, when you get the cotton mouth, your, your clammy yeah. hands, it's just like, ah, I'm just getting ready to wrestle. Right. Yeah. So it's I will say too, like it, it becomes almost like once I kind of feel maybe a little bit like 
it just starts to kind of like excite me. So I, I would kind of look at it as like a nervous excitement. And then yep. it kind of just gets me a little more amped up to wrestle. So more like anxious to wrestle, not not nervous to lose. Yes, very exactly. Exactly. So redefine nervousness. We're, that's completely in our power. Uh, Ronnie, what about you? So do you still get kind of nervous? And how do you deal with it? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely still get nervous. But um, I think... I've learned how to deal with it better, and I, I think that's what changed a little bit for me. Um, I mean, I used to get so nervous, I might, I wouldn't even want to wrestle at times when I was younger and stuff like that. But, um, you know, yeah, like I said, like Mox said, you know, when you get nervous, you're, you, that means you're kind of ready to wrestle. It elevates you a little bit, gets you motivated, gets you excited. So uh, I think it's it, it can be used as a good thing, but you can't let it kind of overwhelm No, absolutely. Um who is your favorite wrestler to watch? Doesn't have to be an NCAA guy. Doesn't have to be currently wrestler, a current wrestler. But who is your favorite wrestler to watch, Mock? Oh man, uh, hmm. I used to watch a lot of Jordan Burroughs. Um, just like he's very explosive, very athletic, um, and I definitely enjoy watching his matches. Do you feel like that translates into how you wrestle as well? Watching him translated into how you wrestle. Uh, I try to make it like that. I don't think it, it looks the same, but, you know, that's definitely, you know, he's someone who's an Olympic gold medalist. He's one of the faces of USA wrestling. And he's he's definitely a GOAT, so. Awesome. Uh, Ronnie, what about you? Let's let's talk about, you know, current wrestlers. Who's your favorite current wrestler to watch, whether they're in the NCAAs or, you know, the wrestling internationally right now? Oh, man, current favorite wrestler to watch. Whew. Um. I don't know. I mean, probably Nolf, man. I like watching him. He scores a lot of points, and he hits some slick stuff. So I, I'd probably go with him for now. Yeah. You know? So something I always talk about with Nolf and Nickel, um, I feel like they need to do their own podcast with, with names like that, um, is they're not afraid to make mistakes. Like, Nolf gets scored on in his matches. Last year in the Big Ten Finals, he gets scored on twice. And he's like, eh, I'm not afraid to get taken down. I'm just going to get up and score again. You know, I, I think people that watch Jason wrestle – and, and Bo, they try stuff. So what does that mean? One, they have no fear of losing or making mistakes. Two, they probably do that constantly in practice. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, and I think all three of us are guilty of this at some point in our wrestling career, we probably wrestled in live not to lose. You know, like, all right, we got a two-minute live go, ready, set, go. And we're like, okay, I scored a couple points. I'm good. You know, I'm not looking to score anymore versus, you know, as we got older, we learned that we're trying to score 50, 50 plus points. We're also trying to get ourselves in bad position and find our way to get out. So anyways, just throwing it out there. I think that's a, a, a lot to learn from. And I always find it interesting asking who are people's favorite per people to watch and why, you know, mock likes the big, the, the, the explosiveness, the you know the notoriety of Jordan Burroughs, you know, you like watching Jason Ulf, he likes putting up points. Um, those are obviously things that probably translate back into how you want to wrestle. So you are are you both graduating seniors now? Or you both oh, Mock, you graduated already. Yeah. So Ronnie, uh yeah, I graduated last year. I'm in the master's program. Right. Now. So same. So yep. I I didn't realize that for both of you. So as Master's students, what are you studying, and what's next for you after wrestling? Um, so I'm studying sports psychology. Cool. Uh, it's actually, I think it's sport and exercise psychology, mm -hmm. what it is. But um, 
And then, yeah, I'm definitely looking to get a coaching position here um, this year for sure. I think uh, the sport's given so much to me, and I, I've had so many good experiences with not just my college coaches, but even my high school coaches, you know. So um, I think having those solid relationships with all, all my coaches coming up through kind of really motivates me to want to be a coach because I, I want to have that same thing with an athlete. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely looking to, to coach this next next few awesome. years. Mock, what about you? Oh, I'm doing a master's of arts and liberal studies. It's a con- it's like a it's a program where you design your own concentration. So what's really cool about it is I can pull classes from different programs. So right now I'm taking a class that's in the master's of public administration program, and I'm taking another class that's in the master's of international studies program. And so cool. I get to put a title on the concentration myself, so I don't really know what I'm going to title it yet or what exactly it's going to be, but. Um, should be masters in being a savage. Huh? That's what you should name. That's what you should name it. Masters in being a savage. Win an NCAA title. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you know I think that would look uh, uh, pretty gangster on a diploma. Just saying. It looked, I think it looked great on a resume too. You know. <laughs> I think it would. Yeah, I think it would. Yeah. I think it would. Let me let me tell you guys. Speaking of resumes, you know. I hope as you guys continue in whatever career in and out of wrestling, you realize uh, how valuable wrestling is on a resume. You know, how valuable you you don't have to be a division one, all American or national champion, but how valuable employers look at being a division one athlete, because the amount of dedication that it takes, I mean, you pretty much have been employed by your universities for the last four years uh, and have worked more overtime than any employee on the face of the earth. You know what I mean? Like, the value of what you've put in as a division one athlete will translate in any job. So some advice I would give you guys is down the road and you're interviewing for something outside of the sport of wrestling, remind them how wrestling taught you to be the best employee that you could be. You know, the, 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 the lessons that you learned in wrestling, I remember interviewing for the FBI and them talking about what it takes to be a division one athlete and how that translates into federal law enforcement service. So I hope you guys do the same final question of the day the value of mindset in wrestling not just for you but what is the value of mindset in wrestling so ronnie sports psychology major for your master's program what is the value of mindset in wrestling i don't even think you can put a price on it you know i think it's that's how valuable it is um you know you can you see countless Mm -hmm countless examples of uh people having the right mindset and and performing well um even performing you know over their abilities some might say <coughs> Ronnie so, Curry. um man it, yeah <laughs> you know uh just it, it's probably one of the most valuable things of the sport for sure I would absolutely say. so mike the value of mindset in wrestling like why why is it so important uh, i think it's huge i think you know, big matches, clutch moments, championships are all are all done before you get out there. I think it's, you know, done in between the ears. I think it's a huge part of the sport. And I think, you know, what you guys are doing is great. I think more people should be doing this. I think, too, that you have some of the best athletes in the world who, like, have sports psychologists so that they can, you know, work on their mentality and, and things that will help them perform at an even higher level. So I, I think it's, I think it's a huge part. Absolutely. Why do I work with UFC fighters? It's not because they're not mentally tough. It's because at the highest level, you have to have that under control more than anything else. And you want an edge that's not going to fail you a drug test. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can yeah. get an edge. And everybody works hard at the highest level. Everybody's strong, fast, technical, whatever the sport may be. What's your edge? So um, thank you guys for your time. Uh, I really appreciate you know, all the information that you gave. You know, reminding, reminding everybody listening that make sure to check out Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Mike, what is your uh, what's the social media that you use the most? Uh, Instagram and Twitter, they're both the same. It's Mike underscore Mock, M A C C H. Ronnie, what about you? Yeah, um, Instagram and Twitter, you know, RP108 on Instagram and Rip and Ron USA. On Rip Twitter. and Ron, look at that. I like it. I like that. It's a- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 man, we need some sort of like clothing company called Rip and Run. Yeah, you know, keep a lookout. You know, I might have something coming out. That's uh, <laughs> fine, man. You know, just just make sure you throw me a large, okay? <laughs> All right, I got you. Sounds good. Make sure to check them out. <laughs> Mock, what do you like? A drink <laughs> no, you know, uh, what? not that <laughs> big yet. Give me about two more years and I'll be there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think Mike right. needs the custom tailored the, the custom tailored shirt because because a, a, a shorter guys it just doesn't really you know yeah yeah it doesn't yeah. really work out he's you're gonna have to give him his own size <laughs> yeah so it's like it's like large XL and then mock and then mock yeah the signet the signature series the I signature like the signature mock size so all right good stuff so again follow yeah. these guys on social media follow us wrestling mindset on. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, make sure that when you sign up for your free trial session at WrestlingMindset.com, you mentioned Mindset Mike. Uh, sign it off today. I look forward to uh, continuing to bring you great content from great wrestlers. The next interview that you will hear from is uh, myself and Mike Mao from Behind the Dirt, breaking it down with your 141-pound uh, champion, Yanni D., week out of surgery looking forward to releasing that stuff so again thank you guys for coming today and uh best of luck as you continue your wrestling and professional careers Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.